0: All right. Tonight we are really going to tackle an aggressive slate. We're going for three verses tonight. I know it's a challenge. I'm not making any promises, but we're gonna try. Yeah. It's persecution and torment. What's that thing that used to be on Hee Hall? Well, I don't want to go there, y'all. (laughs) <laughs> get three if you go to him. Matthew five, ten through twelve. Let's read it together. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's play a little word association, okay? I give you a word, you give me a corresponding word that pops into your mind. You know how this works, right? All right, don't think about it, just respond, okay? First word: rejection. Unwanted. Unwanted. Wanted. Wanted. Insult What's so funny back there? <laughs> Suffering Hurt, Hurt. Happy Sad. Torment Cross. Bully mean. Embarrass Shameful, ridicule, Make fun. Of. Mocked. Make fun. What? Mocked. Mocked, made fun of. Fear. Scared. 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 Y'all are thinking too much. See? word association—you just throw it out there, right? All right. Last word. Last word. Persecution. Harassment. Harassment. Persecution. Jesus. Jesus. Is that the first thing that popped into your head? So, what do we mean when we use this word persecution? You know, it's not something that's uh, foreign to our vocabulary, it's not something that's outside of the mainstream news reporting or articles that you might find or read. Persecution. How would you define it? Being disliked for something. Being disliked for something? Done fairly. I spell good on paper, I don't spill so well up here. (laughs) (laughs) Judging, misunderstood. Now I'm going to make a statement based on what you've given me. I don't want you. I don't want to hurt your feelings. These are clearly American definitions of persecution because these are light, right? I mean, yeah. pers- When I think persecution, I think torture. I think death. I think grueling, excruciating pain. Yeah. Um, so maybe you're just being kind. <laughs> does, that, does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think... We have a view here in America of persecution versus what's actual persecution around the world. Um, Life-threatening type situations. I mean, you're around it, but you can see where we we pulled our punches, right? So I would say uh, torture, death, Death threats, um, pain, excruciating pain, starvation. I was going to say hunger. Yeah, starvation. Yeah, now, now you're now you're on target. We upped it a little bit. To aggressively chase. This word dioko means to aggressively pursue as you were hunting something. Okay? Um, It's actually a little bit like Psalm 42 when David's talking about like the deer pants for water so my heart yearns for God. Right? So it's a little bit of that in the opposite direction. Right? It's, It's the... An enemy, it's an adversary that's in pursuit of someone else. So hunting, desperately hunting, chasing after something. Like a hunter pursuing a catch. Zealously seeking to persecute to hunt down. Um, To subject someone to hostility or ill treatment. Especially because of their race or their politics or their religious beliefs. That's typically what we see around the world. Harass or annoy someone persistently. So you got some really good words up here that help us understand accurately when we think about persecution. Now... Sometime back a national magazine surveyed people to discover what makes them happy. What do you think makes people happy? The real answer is Jesus. probably said money. Yeah, yeah, we're doing it. We're doing a survey right now. Money. This is a pop culture survey. Money. Money. Vacation. Money. <laughs> Vacation. Car. Food. Yeah. Well, Two what dollar uh, $2 million watches? $2 million watches? Would that make you happy? No. I mean if you had a 2 million dollar watch could you sell it? sell it? You but I don't think No, I mean I'm asking cuz the only way a 2 million dollar watch would make me happy would be to sell it and get the money. means to You see you see my expensive watch, right? Um, what they discovered in this survey was that happy people enjoy other people but they are not self-sacrificing. They enjoy other people, but they're not self-sacrificing. They refuse to participate in any negative feelings or emotions. Happy people refuse to go there. They refuse to entertain negative or unhappy emotions. You know anybody like that? I don't want to know. that's just, just bad. I don't want to listen to it. It's going to bring me down. Right? I find myself being there sometimes. Um, and they have a sense of accomplishment based on their own self-sufficiency. They have a sense of accomplishment based on their own self-sufficiency. I don't know what that means. Do you know what that means? What does that mean? They feel good about themselves. Feel good about themselves just because of who they are? Right. Who's yeah. kind of narcissistic? Now Mathilde back in the 30s said the epitome is self utilization. Self-utilization. In terms of what motivates people and self motivation. Interesting. Okay. Well, here's what here's what my point is. Such people are completely contrary to the person that Jesus is describing. Right? This definition or these characteristics that they discovered are completely opposite of the person that Jesus is describing here in the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, he says, people who are happy are empty of self. They're poor in spirit. Remember that one? Don, have you forgotten that one yet? (laughs) I saw Don two weeks after we did the section on poor in spirit and he said, that thing's been haunting me. Like, I mean, it's been persecuting him been chasing him, right? <laughs> um, Jesus said people who are happy are disturbed by sin. They mourn sin. Jesus has said that people who are happy rest in God's strength or they are meek. Not self-sufficient. Jesus said that people who are happy hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus said that people who are happy are merciful, pure in heart, and that they're peacemakers. I don't know if you've noticed this with with these, um, with these, but the first four, poor in spirit, mourn, what's next? Meek. Meek. Mourn. Got more. These are about emptiness. Right? Hunger and thirst for righteousness. These three lead to this one. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then these others are about being filled with something. What do we got? Merciful. about what we don't have and these are about what we do have with the Spirit in us. Happy. Now, we've said this, this word, this, this blessed gets translated very often as happy. I don't like that definition because I think, it, I think it's very superficial. Happy, you know, everybody wants to be happy but and Jesus may be saying that but really I think it's more about contentment it's more about satisfaction uh, that that's a better understanding of it than happy you know so what the world says that it is to be happy or what it wants to be happy or what it thinks about happy is the opposite 180 degrees different than what Jesus is saying here He tells us that people who are happy are persecuted for righteousness. (laughs) Now, I want to ask you this question. When's the last time you saw someone who was a victim of persecution that looked happy? Mm -hmm. Or even acted happy? The attitudes don't say, Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who are more meek and hungry and thirsty, for they will it says they're blessed. It says, I'll see the kingdom of heaven. We call called sons of God. We'll, you know, there, there's other promises there that don't This is true. But he also says, blessed are you. Blessed are they. Which means, he, he's implying, you're content, you're satisfied. The people who are in these places know contentment. They know fulfillment. They know his blessing. Persecuted people, content, satisfied, happy. Sounds weird, doesn't it? I watched, I tried to watch, a program on YouTube last night uh, that was filmed earlier this year on persecution. It was a documentary in, um, where was it? Iran, maybe? Um, most of it was in another language so I couldn't really understand what was going on but I did watch enough of it to see people talking about persecution and about what they had encountered in the way of persecution and none of them looked thrilled about it you know they were very somber sober not excited about it just matter of fact even broken by it in some ways so, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For righteousness' sake. Now, this is not just any persecution. This is not making a, a dumb choice like Moses made when he, he killed the Egyptian. And then being having wanted posters put up and chasing him out of Egypt. That's not what we're talking about. That was a bad decision. He brought that on himself, didn't he? Um, we're talking about living righteously, living for God, living in a God-honoring way and being persecuted for living righteously. Is it because of the word of God? What's that? Is it because of the word of God? Prosecution? Prosecution? Because yeah, I mean it can be. I mean we we see that in Acts, right? <laughs> when When the disciples started proclaiming the gospel when they started proclaiming the truth of the gospel that Christ had resurrected they were brought in immediately and said cease and desist you know you can believe whatever you want to but you need to stop preaching this resurrection because that was getting people riled up and it was a direct affront to what they had done by prosecuting Jesus and having him killed and because of that they were persecuted were arrested, you know, they were beaten, all the disciples ended up being martyred for their faith. When it's all said and done, righteous, persecuted for righteousness' sake, blessed are these people, okay? We could do a survey, I'm not going to do this because it would probably embarrass all of us, including myself, but how many of us have experienced being persecuted for righteousness' sake? Probably not many of us, right? <laughs> Most of the time, any persecution we've had, we've brought some of it on ourselves, or we've invited it in some way, or provoked it, right? And yet, there's a lot of people who do. First, Second Peter, or Second Timothy, three, twelve. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Let's let that simmer for just a second. Second Timothy, three, twelve. Indeed. All who desire, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It goes with the territory. So, if that's true, then we can begin to understand why Jesus is saying, blessed are you when you're persecuted because you're fulfilling my plans, my purposes, my will for your life, right? You're being, Jesus said, kingdom people, Who are poor in spirit, mournful, meek, hunger for thirst, hunger and thirst after righteousness. You're being kingdom people in an alien land for me, and it's not going to go well. That kingdom's not going to appreciate the fact that you're living differently among them. Lloyd Jones says in his studies on the Sermon on the Mount, being righteous, practicing righteousness, really means being like the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, they are blessed who are persecuted for being like Him. For being like Him. Now, this is really convicting. (laughs) I've been living with this all week, so I'm glad to finally share it with somebody so y'all can join in some of the persecution I've been under. But this is really convicting. When him, for him to say that he's saying being persecuted for being like Jesus. So I'm thinking, okay, well, if I haven't been persecuted, why is that? Is it because I'm not being like Jesus? We know the answer, right? The answer is yes, emphatically yes. I'm not being persecuted because I look more like them than I look like the alien that I'm supposed to be. Just food for thought. We're, we're, not, we're not guilting anybody or pointing fingers. We're just talking here, okay? <laughs> God says He's made us. He has even predestined us to be conformed to the image of Christ. So, you know, we're linking this thing together. This is our purpose. This is the plan. This is the direction that He has for us is to be like Christ. And Jesus said, as you're like Christ, the world's going to, be unhappy with you, and the world's going to persecute you. He tells us this, doesn't he? In John, in John, what was it John fifteen eighteen through twenty? Somebody look that up and see if that's right. John fifteen eighteen through twenty, I think, is right. Where he says, "They persecuted me; they'll persecute you." He said it hated me first, and it'll hate you as you look and act and smell like me, then the world's gonna hate you. That's the way it works. You you don't belong here. If you belong here, if you look like you belong here, then they'll accept you, right? We know that's true, that's true in human nature, isn't it? Christ's likeness in us will produce the same results it did in the lives of the apostles. The early church and believers throughout history. Hebrews eleven twenty six 26 says, Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. He had to make a decision. Remember, ultimately? I mean, he went through his trials. He made his mistakes. But ultimately, he had to make a decision that, that he accepted the reproach of being with God's people to be more valuable than having the riches of Egypt. And that's really the choice that each of us has to make each day, isn't it? Who, Whom will we serve? Whom will we identify with? Whom will we conform to? Will it be Christ or will it be this world? And, and there is no middle ground or middle earth or you know something else out there, is there? It's, it's be like Christ or be like this world. There's only two sides here. Savonarola. Savonarola was one of the greatest reformers in the history of the church. In his powerful condemnation of personal sin and ecclesiastical corruption, that Italian preacher paved the way for the Protestant Reformation, which began a few years after his death. His preaching was a voice of thunder, writes one biographer. And his denunciation of sin was so terrible that the people who listened to him went about the streets half-dazed, bewildered, and speechless. That describes you after that pouring spirit thing. You were walking around dazed. Um. (laughs) His congregations were so often in tears that the whole building resounded with their sobs and their weeping. But the people in the church could not long abide such a witness. And for preaching uncompromised righteousness, he was convicted of heresy, was hanged, and his body was burned. You can laugh, but you know, it wasn't funny. No. <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? This can be hard stuff. Kingdom life. To live for Christ is to be persecuted because Christ was persecuted. We've already read John fifteen, eighteen through twenty. Somebody look up Romans eight, sixteen and seventeen. Romans 8, 16, and 17. Somebody else give me Philippians 3, verse 10. Philippians 3, verse 10. You may have it memorized. You want 3, uh, yeah, go ahead. That I may know Him in the power of His resurrection, and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. Okay. Paul's writing. Paul's writing to the Philippians. The Philippians were pretty starchy, okay? Um, he's writing to them about his uh, legacy, all the things that he's experienced, all the things as a good Jew that he had had. I've got a long list, he said, of things that I can be proud of in the flesh. But that's not what motivates me, he says. I, I give up all those things. You know, I, put, I count them as rubbish. He uses the term garbage or refuse, I count these things as rubbish. They no longer matter to me. And he gets down to verse 10 and he says, I long to fellowship in the sufferings of Christ. This is his words. I want to fellowship. What does the word fellowship mean? What, what do we think of when we think of fellowship? Not drinking coffee and eating donuts, but Share. sharing your life. Sharing your life. Koinonia is merging your lives together. That's That's... Fellowship. Paul says, I want that fellowship with the sufferings of Christ. How could any sane person pray that or state that in that manner? You got something to add, Bob? I mean, you know, he's in prison. Uh, that'll get a man right with God, right? He says, um, let me back up. And be found in him, that is in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, the things I can do, the way I can make this myself, but that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. I, I can do this. I I believe this, want this, desire this because of the relationship with Christ that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share or fellowship in His sufferings becoming like Him in His death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul is saying to be like Christ is worth whatever it takes. And fellowshipping in His his sufferings even to the point of His death if this means being with Christ, being like Christ, that's what I want. I want Him to be glorified in me and through me. That's, Paul wanted to be a kingdom man, right? He wanted to be a Sermon on the Mount guy. Who's got the other one? Romans eight sixteen seventeen. 17. Who had that one? Going once. Give it Don. To so the Spirit is Him. Itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children and heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him that we may also be glorified together. Yeah. So it's about our fellowship with Him, it's about becoming like Him. Another important thing about persecution is that it's evidence of something. Of what? It's evidence of your relationship with Christ, right? If you're not being persecuted for being like Christ, then you got to wonder, am I really in Christ? And is Christ in me? But if I'm being persecuted for righteousness' sake, the only way that happens is if Christ is at work in me and I belong to Him. If I'm in fellowship with Him, I experience this persecution. If they're confusing me with Christ, the persona, the testimony of Christ, that's a good thing, right? Yeah. Persecution. A few years ago in India, we've, been to, we've revisited this story, and I, I was not arrested and put in jail. I want to clarify that up front. I was taken to jail, but I was never arrested officially, okay? But before that happened, when, when the chaos broke out and the mob from the streets came into the school where we were, and it was very intense, I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought today was the day I'm going home, okay? And not back to America either. There was there was anger and, and rage in people that, man, I've never seen anything like that. And there was a guy that... that got in my face and poking me in the chest and I'm thinking, Don, you know, I I don't I don't go I don't do well in those situations. I mean, how do you do? If somebody's poking you in the chest and shouting in your face and, you know, calling you things that you're not sure what he's saying, do you do well? Do you handle that well? But I mean it was kind of a blur, but I remember one of the guys, one of the National's that was working as a part of our team, and he was about he he was about Sam's size, probably about twenty pounds lighter than Sam. He was a he was a uh, not a big guy, and he had he was uh, he had a problem with his leg. He had he had a, a limp. He walked with a limp, but he was carrying and toting equipment for us. He was a good kid. His name was Daniel, perfectly named but I remember this guy in front of me was so mad and he cocked, he was gonna take a swing at me, okay? And now I'm thinking, what am I gonna do if he hits me? You know? And just about the time he got ready to swing, little Sam gets in between us and takes the blow. And the next thing I know, a couple of the guys with the team had gotten me by the collar and they whisk us off up, you know, to the second or third level away from all this activity. But I've never forgotten that. That he stepped in and took the blow. He took the persecution. He took the outrage and the anger and all that stuff right there. And that's what Christ does for us. Even in the midst of those things is that, you know, we may physically feel it, but Christ is the one that brings us through those things and delivers us in those things each and every time. Um, it still doesn't mean that we want to jump up and down and sign up for this, do we? But it's but it's something that we have to take a different perspective on because if I'm in Christ and I'm living for Christ and I'm becoming like Christ, then it's to be expected that I'm going to be persecuted for that. Now, maybe not in our country the way that it's going on around the world where people actually have their lives taken at least not yet. And maybe not in some of our lifetimes. But it's certainly changing and it's changing rapidly. And it's becoming more acceptable by the masses. So given the way the Bible teaches on this matter, how should we think about a Christian that is praised by the world? <laughs> Talk about being provocative now. Let's really be provocative. Somebody on a, on a national stage... It claims to be a believer, but it ends up being praised by all the world. What do you think? Maybe <laughs> it's hard to pass judgment on this, but based upon what Jesus has said here, it, it makes you think, doesn't it? Because we, we fall into this trap as Christians. We're so desperate... To prove our case to the world. We're so desperate to have the world see things correctly and to come on over to our side, you know, and get it. And we think, boy, if we just get this celebrity saved, or we just got this personality on the TV saved, and, and they could speak up for us, and you know, the, the world likes them and all that stuff. But Jesus is saying, if if you really are in me and you're identified with me and you're following me and you're being conformed to me, they're going to turn on you. They liked him at at some points, didn't they? When he was out there doing the miracles, they liked him. Whoa. Walking on water. Making storms lay down and stop. Feeding people. I mean, what's not to like? You know, raising the raising the dead and and helping the lame walk and giving sight back to the blind—hey, those are all great things. We're all we're all for that. But when he starts talking, you know, starts preaching the Sermon on the Mount, it doesn't go well, does it? So if we see someone that—and and now, I don't want you—I don't want you to get this wrong. I, and I think we have to be careful. We we have to be careful. We don't want to say that you know you can't that you can't be a, a quality person and have relationships with people in the world and still be following Christ I don't think that's what we're saying are we but we but we are saying that if you are a genuine follower of Christ that you're probably not going to be the most popular person in the world you're probably not going to be put on a pedestal and left there for very long if you're serious about following Christ that's what, that's what I think we we're saying. We're gonna, not, not to pick on you, but there's lots of preachers that have, that have been um, at the top of their game. And they go through a ton of persecution, but it may not be public or visible. That's right. Right? They get death threats. They get torture. Yep. Well, what's the guy? He's not been loose long. Was it Romania? Um, what was the guy? Last six months or at year, he got out. Where was he? Was it Romania? Iran. Iran? Um, yeah. I mean, now, you, you get away with some of it here. You know, there's so much white noise. There's so much other stuff going on in our nation that, you know, people just kind of will ignore it, at least for a season, as long as you're not intruding in their lives. Um, but we're going to talk in just a minute about one of those situations that's popped up. So if you think about a Christian that's being praised by the world, you have to ask yourself the question, has the world changed its standards? Has the world raised its standards suddenly? That's what we want, but truth of it, we know that's not right, is it? Has the world changed its view? No. Has the world changed its citizenship? No. No. It's all going to come home to roost at some point, isn't it? So how can you avoid persecution? How can you avoid it? it? I mean, nobody wants it, do you? You're not going to go out here tonight and walk down here in the middle of the street somewhere, and it's a promise for those that are (laughs) saved. You have to do what the world wants you to say and be the way the world wants you to be. That's exactly right. It, it's really easy to avoid it if you want to. You just have to not take Christianity too seriously. You have to do what the world says and not not speak up, not you know, don't be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Don't be like Daniel. You know, just go along and get along. And if you do that, you can you can avoid it, right? Easy enough. When I was Mimic the world. When I was in college, uh, I like to tell people about the role. Just either one on one or a little group. So I would just tell um, my fellow students, classmates. And so I, um, I started to get a reputation of um, Sister Lily. They thought I was a nun about Jesus they thought only nuns tell people about Jesus. Um, they started to use it as love, just to make fun of me. And for the first time I really liked it. You know like, like the apostles. that so they were glad that they were being you can say persecuted or harassed because of him. Yeah. It was But they were crazy. insulting you. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, Drew Brees how many of you have been following that over the last two or three weeks Drew Brees plays quarterback for the New Orleans Saints um, uh, avowed Christian uh, very public in his faith recently made a video for uh, Focus on the Family uh, it's kind of a public service announcement encouraging kids to, to be bold and carry their Bibles to school with them You know, that's all it was. Uh, He was immediately, immediately raked over the coals by um, LGBT community, wasn't it? That went after him uh, because of his association, they said, with focus on the family. Uh, I don't think, based upon what's transpired, I, I don't have a relationship with Drew Brees, and I haven't had a conversation with him, but based upon his reaction, I think it stunned him how fast and how rancorous the attacks against him were. Because this is a guy that was in the midst of the aftermath of Katrina and was a hero down there, uh, leading in the morale boosting, um, you know, trying to help the community get over and get past that. He's been lauded and applauded and, and all those things. He's a great ball player. He's a model citizen and his message there was nothing wrong with his message there are other players have come out and said this is all wrong but the world came after him rapidly and vociferously to do him harm they were angry uh some of them backed up now that he's he's kind of clarified he didn't back down he went back out and clarified his position and stood his ground which i think was huge um but it's going, to change. it's going to change the landscape for him moving forward. That's something you might want to keep your eye on. I um, mean, he's kind of toward the end of his career. I don't know how, much, how many more seasons he's yeah, got. He but hurt. He, he hurt his hand Sunday, but um, he may be out for a while, maybe even the season, I don't know. But, but at any rate, that would be one to keep your eye on to see what, what happens, what the blowback is for this. because so there's some people that are in his corner saying the right things, but it'll be interesting. It's been said prosperity has been uh, often been fatal to Christianity, but persecution never. There's a reason that after Jesus ascended back into heaven that the disciples didn't build a huge church and prosper. You know, health, wealth, and prosperity gospel there in Jerusalem. What happened? They were persecuted. The persecution drove the gospel outside the city into the known world of that day. Like squeezing toothpaste out of a tube that's what persecution the effect it has on Christianity it also has the effect this is the the way that God works the world wants to use persecution to shut the gospel down God uses persecution to light the fuse so when you think about the reasons we have here and, and listen I am weak of heart here but we should applaud and welcome persecution when it's the right kind of... Per- when it's persecution for righteous sake. Right? Righteousness sake. We should applaud. We When I saw that with Drew Brees, I don't wish any ill will on him. And I'm sorry he's got to go through it. But there's a part of me who went, Yes! We need to see people in the Christian community who will stand up and be willing to be persecuted for the right stuff. Because that means that God is going to be working... To to set the flame, what needs what needs to be taking place in our culture. So often, what we see, especially when he stood up and refused to back down from it, so often what we see is we see him curl up in a fetal position and say, "Please don't don't hurt me. I won't say anything else." Right? That's not that's not the way that it, things have been designed uh, moving forward. What forms does persecution uh, typically? take i'm going to give you four quick ones here physical paul talked about i mean paul talked about being beaten with rods being uh, whipped uh, being given 40 lashes short of one which 40 was a death sentence 39 was right at the brink of death um he was stoned outside of derby left for dead everybody thought he was dead that's probably why they stopped um stephen was assaulted and stoned and killed it's verbal isn't amazing how sensitive we are to people's words <laughs> you know I, I commend you that you didn't let those words bother you they thought they were bothering you but they didn't but most of us words bother us we got that saying right sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me is that right not but true. it's not true yeah. I mean, some of us would rather have the sticks and stones than the words bruise us, right? And we live in a culture that thrives off of this, so it's easy to understand how we would be easily harmed or hurt by verbal abuses or insults. Emotional, emotional attacks, threats, harassment. Uh, I heard a preacher several years ago talk about going to a church. I believe the guy's name was Bill Stafford. I don't know if Bill's still alive. Paul, do you know? Uh, Bill was an evangelist, and he was a great preacher, but he, when he was pastoring, he told a story about being called to a church. I want to say it was up in the Chattanooga area, and he said it was just... Part of it, he said, was I was doing something that I really wasn't called to do. God had called me to be an evangelist, and I was trying to be a pastor, but he said the other part of it was the church was just mean. And But... Those people would call him all hours of the night just to wake him up and make him answer the phone and then hang up. Uh, so, emotional stress and distress. He said uh, on more than one occasion he had people leave the parking lot and spray, spray him with gravel as they were leaving. Um, I guess that's physical and emotional, but you can imagine you're trying to shepherd uh, a flock of sheep and this is the way they're treating you. Um, false accusations. The enemy made bold, false accusations about Jesus, calling him Beelzebub. Um, We know that Satan is the father of lies, and so he thrives on this. Hostility and bias toward Christians in America is nowhere near the intensity of other nations. This Open Doors article I just went through, we don't have time to really do it justice, but... Um, it kind of it kind of hits some of the major players in the world for persecution North Korea Christians are considered hostile elements to be eradicated I mean that 's a policy uh, in fact, reports indicate that local authorities are increasing incentives for anyone who exposes a Christian in their community if Christians are discovered, not only are they deported to labor camps or even killed on the spot, their families to the fourth generation suffer the same fate so you got somebody in your family that's a strong believer. All of you are going, even if you uh, denounce it. Open Doors estimates the number of Christians in North Korea to be 300,000 strong, though. Believers who are defying the unjust regime and following Jesus. Afghanistan. Christianity is not permitted to exist. To convert to a faith outside of Islam is tantamount to treason because it's seen as a betrayal of family, tribe, and country. Very often, there's only one possible outcome for exposed and caught Christians' death. In Afghanistan, converts are considered literally insane to leave Islam. As a result, some may end up in a psychiatric hospital and have their homes destroyed. In Somalia, Christians are high-value targets. Estimates suggest that 99% of uh, Somalis are Muslims and any minority religions are heavily persecuted. The Christian community is small and under constant threat of attack. In fact, persecution of Christians almost always involves violence. Believers in Libya face abuse and deadly violence. Libyan converts to Christianity face abuse and violence for the decision to follow Christ. Um, those with a Muslim background face extremely violent and intense pressure from their family and from the wider community to denounce their faith. Christians in Libya are subjected to violent, inhumane, and degrading treatment. Christians in Pakistan live with constant threat of mob attacks. Christians are largely regarded as second-class citizens. Conversion to Christianity from Islam carries a great deal of risk. An estimated 700 girls and women abducted each year are often raped and then forcefully married to uh, Muslim men in the community, usually resulting in forced conversions. Christian converts in Sudan targeted for persecution. Um, so to keep them from being discovered converts will often refrain from raising their children as Christians because this might attract the unwelcome attention of the government and community leaders since children might inadvertently reveal their parents' faith. Can you imagine? In order to survive you, you can't tell your children about your faith because they might spill the beans and all of you would die. Christians in prison and dying in shipping containers in uh, Eritrea, Eritrea. Eritrea. Is that right? Y'all don't know? E-R-I-T-R-E-A. Eritrea. Eritrea. That's it. During the 2019 World Watch List reporting period, government security forces conducted many house-to-house raids and imprisoned hundreds of Christians in inhumane conditions, including small shipping containers and scorching heat. In Yemen, the small church is composed mostly of Yemeni Christians with a Muslim background who must live their faith in secret. They face persecution from the authorities, including detention and interrogation. Their families and radical Islamic groups who threaten converts with death if they don't denounce Christ and reconvert. Uh, in India, this has changed radically since uh, the story I was telling you was from 2008. I went back in 2009 and I've not been back. We sent a team about 2012 or 13 maybe, but uh, we haven't sent a team back because a lot of the changes have taken place in the government. Uh, The world's second most populous country, Christians now uh, saw unprecedented persecution on numerous fronts from both the state and general Hindu society. Um, So you can understand that our view of persecution is pretty tame compared to what's really going on in the world. And uh, it's going to happen here eventually. The Bible's got examples. Joseph, um, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, uh, Moses, even though he brought some of his uh, problems on himself, was uh, also persecuted by his own people. I mean, his his brother and sister grumbled against him and... uh, tried to cause some issues there um jeremiah jeremiah bless his heart got put in a a cave in the ground a cistern broken cistern and um jeremiah remember was the one that cried out to god he's god gave him this burden to preach and jeremiah said god i resign i quit and god said fine quit and jeremiah came back and said bless the lord you know your word burns in my bosom and i can't help myself but to preach so um he was persecuted severely for, uh, for his faith. All the disciples' apostles were killed for their faith. There's a church on uh, the Mount uh, in Chennai, India, out near the uh, airport there. And I've been up there several times. There's a church right on top. And if you walk into that church, it's, uh, and it commemorates the place where Thomas uh, was supposedly martyred a little bit further down the hill. Um, while he was praying, someone came up behind him. The legend has it. History tells us. And stabbed him in the back, uh, and killed him. Doubting Thomas made his way to India to preach the gospel. But that church up on top—if you walk through it—it's got um, artist renderings, paintings of each of the disciples being martyred. You know, according to the to the history uh, that goes along with it, they all they all ended up dying for the gospel for preaching the gospel. Um, Jesus said, you know. They hated me. They persecuted me. They hated his disciples. They persecuted and killed him. Why you know, should we expect any different in the world in which we live? And if we are living and experiencing it differently, then what's wrong with us? <laughs> Fair question. Once Christianity was viewed as distinct from Judaism back in... The Apostles' day they lost all legal protection, and it was uh, it was all all bets were off, so the intensity picked up so we just touched the top of the mountain there, right persecution's a big, deep, heavy, and overpowering subject uh, to many of us. but what I would hope you would take out of this is a couple of things: one that that we have a responsibility to live for Christ, no matter what. And and we live in a, a part of the world where we don't have to fear these kind of things right now. And so we got we got no reason not to live for Christ right now, right? The persecution we'll encounter will be what I would call first world persecution for the most part, right? Verbal abuse, insults, I mean, What's up with that, right? The second thing is that we ought to be aware of the people around the world that are suffering intensely, even to the point of death, for their faith, and and be praying for them, praying for their families. Uh, as we said, was it North Korea, even to the fourth generation that, that might be impacted by a believer being willing to stand up and say, I identify with Christ. Uh, and it changes their life. We know in Muslim cultures, we know in a lot of these uh, these uh, cultures that if you convert, you come out of Hinduism, you come out of Islam, that your family basically treats you as dead. You're, you're ostracized from the family. So it's a huge decision. Um, we had a young guy here a few months ago, a year or two ago, that was uh, really seriously considering... Um, faith in Christ. He was. He had a Muslim background. His father was in another part of the world. His mother was here locally. But his father was intimidating him over the telephone. Um, basically, basically, not in so many words, but basically saying, if you convert, you'll have to look over your shoulder the rest of your life because yeah, they take this serious. The only way to discourage and be a deterrent for the conversion is to is to kill those that do it so that word gets around and nobody else does it. That pastor that was in jail for a year, he was from Turkey mm-hmm. and that he got out this year sometime. Okay. When we were over there, we got to sit down. We went to church with some Iranian refugees yeah. in Turkey. They were Christian Iranians. And I, <coughs> I can read about persecution and hear about it, study about it, but when you sit down somebody have lived through it. it, yeah. Yeah, it just touches you in a whole nother way. And you know what's incredible is Iran is a great um, illustration, and a lot of what's taking place. Mm-hmm. So we have a family there in Turkey that's ministering, and um, they're getting a lot of these refugees from Iran who are Christians who are fleeing Iran. But Christianity is growing in Iran by leaps and bounds uh, is the word. So it's it's certainly under, uh, under the... Uh, Radar, uh, but again, where persecution abounds, God will not be mocked; He will not be denied. So, yes, sir. Jerry, I got to tell you a story. Um, this is this is going on in uh, this is in New York City. Yeah.